Homeschooling isn't just about education. It's about your kids, it's about your family, and it's about a lifestyle. Hi, my name is Jackie and I'm the founder of Homeschool Think Tank. The Homeschool Think Tank Parenting Podcast is about community, family, education, and life. I believe that these are the things that matter to homeschool families. Tune in each week and let's talk. I'll bring you a message from my heart, an expert interview, or an interview with the ultimate homeschooling experts, homeschool families like yours. Remember to check the link in the show notes below and you'll find an article that corresponds with this episode. Finally, remember to visit homeschoolthinktank.com for more information about how we serve homeschooling families. All right, let's get started with this week's episode. Do you ever want more joy in your parenting? Do you want to connect more with your kids? And lastly, have you ever thought about traveling while you educate your children? Today, I am interviewing Sarah R. Moore. She is a world schooler and the founder of Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting. And she can speak to all of these things. So Sarah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thank you for having me. I am Sarah Moore of Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting. I am a homeschooling mama who happened to take her show on the road, so to speak. I am usually in non-COVID times a world schooler, and we have been in lots of countries and lots of states um, for our child's educational journey and the job that I do that helps me support what we do is Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting, where I offer courses and coaching and all sorts of support to bring more joy to the relationship that we have with our nearest and dearest. Before we get too far forward, you're offering us a free course from Dandelion Seeds, and you can get that at homeschoolthinktank.com slash Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting with dashes between each word. Again, that's homeschoolthinktank.com slash dandelion seeds positive parenting with dashes between each word. You can always find more information about our podcast guests at homeschoolthinktank.com slash interviews as well. And you can find that link in the show notes below. So I have so many questions for you, Sarah. When I first reached out to Sarah, it was because you are a world schooler. And I have been wanting to share a little bit more about that. But then it occurred to me that the way I met you, you probably offered more. So that's, so we're also going to share a little bit about dandelion seeds, positive parenting. So let's start Tell us a little bit about the positive parenting and what you offer through Dandelion Seeds. And then let's dive deep into world schooling, because I want to know a lot about that. And I think the people who listen to Homeschool Think Tank will want to know more about world schooling as well, because it's interesting. Sure, sure. I'd be happy to. Well, from the side of positive parenting, the... The impetus for it was really having my own child. You know, we always have these preconceived notions of what kind of parent we'll be before we have children. And then we have a child and go, oh, what do I actually do with this child? How does this work? It's not as easy as I thought it would be. And I realized that a lot of the guidance, a lot of the advice that I was receiving just didn't resonate with me as a human, as a mama. It it contradicted a lot of my instincts And I thought, "Hmm, why is this? For example, I remember being at my daughter's, I think four month well check, she was teeny tiny. And I remember her pediatrician saying, oh, when she cries, just don't pick her up, leave her. You know, what? yeah, just don't even touch her. That's how she'll learn to self-soothe. And I, of course, balked at that internally. I think I said, I'm not comfortable with that. Of course, I want to pick her up when she cries, help me understand why I shouldn't. And it was this major cognitive dissonance around what felt right to me as a mama versus what this theoretically very highly educated man was telling me to do in my parenting. And we clearly didn't see eye to eye on this issue. And his words to me in that appointment was come back to me when you're ready to get serious about parenting. And (laughs) I'm shocked. (laughs) (laughs) And the fire that that lit in my belly, 
in, in a way, I mean, at the time, of course, I was livid, but in a way, he might have been the biggest gift in this entire journey because I realized, yeah, I do want to get serious about parenting and I want to get serious about the kind of parenting that feels right in my bones, that feels like it actually nurtures the parent-child relationship and like we might actually still like each other, you know, down the road. So I not only got serious about parenting, but I established Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting. I started looking at the research. I started looking at the science. I started looking at all of the reasons that we do want to parent from a place of connection and responsiveness and mutual respect as opposed to parent dictated authoritarian models, which we now know not to be beneficial to children. And I thought, you know, if I need to look up the validation for this to make sure I haven't lost my marbles, there are lots of other moms and dads out there who could probably use this information as well. And that's where Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting was born. And sure enough, I got serious about parenting and I'm hoping to now lighten the loads and increase the joy of the parents who find me. Sarah, I am shocked by his advice to you because, because I didn't experience anything like that. But here's probably why I didn't. Before I had kids, my degree was in physical education, but I graduated in January. There were not phys ed positions open really in my small town in January. So I actually ended up working at a child development center and I stayed there for a year and a half. And honestly, I loved it. And I probably would have just stayed there. But when I, I was just an assistant, my pay like doubled when I left. So, you know, it just financially didn't make sense to stay there, but it was a nationally, well, they achieved national accreditation while I was there. They were really good. And I didn't, I've never wanted to put my children in childcare, but if I did, that would have been the place hands down because they were so good. And I learned so much that makes me a better parent today because I worked there. So I wasn't asking my pediatrician for help. And I don't know what I would have received if I would have asked. Uh, and I did at one point ask one doctor and he referred me to Dr. James Dobson, the strong-willed child. And that's, you know, and I went, yeah, I have a strong-willed child. <laughs> so now I felt when I heard it. Yep, sure enough. So anyway, but oh my gosh, that's just amazing. That's amazing. So that's what led you to that. Now, what do you do? through Dandelion Seeds Positive Parenting today? How do you serve families? Sure. Well, I have a sort of lots of different buckets that I work into and through with parents. I can support parents through one-on-one -on -one coaching. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes you just need somebody to offer another perspective, to lend an ear, lend some, some support. So I definitely do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I also offer... Um, right now I have 25 or so mini courses on my website and mm -hmm. I built them specifically for parents like me who are frankly too busy to invest a whole lot of time or frankly a whole lot of money in parenting classes but it's you know where can I watch a quick 10 minute snippet about my kid lied to me today what do I do with that or you know, my child has all these big feelings, but they're overwhelming. How can I support my child best through their big feelings? Or I have a child who's really introverted. How can I help nurture that child to grow in a way where they develop resilience? And is it even a bad thing to be introverted? Hmm, it's actually not. So I have lots of different topics, all science and research backed that people can look at take between five and 20 minutes of their day and say, okay, now I have some information and they can sign up for an annual pass if they want to for unlimited access to all the courses mm -hmm. um, for that entire year, or they can just buy a pack of five. It's cheap, you know, in, in most okay. worlds. So people can go and say, I need these five topics. I'll watch them at my own pace anytime over the next year. And I'll take what I need when I need it for that situational type stuff. Yeah. Okay. And I actually, I love your website. It's beautiful. So I would recommend anybody just 
take a look at it. And remember though, uh, through Homeschool Think Tank, Sarah is offering a free mini course through there, which I think is awesome. So thank you for that. Now, before we go into world schooling, one last question. How do you define positive parenting? Ah, sure. Um, And I know you're going to tighten it up. We'll talk more in depth. I'm actually planning to interview Sarah another time where we're going to go deeper into all of this, but I just wanted to share a little bit real quick. So let's go ahead with that then. Sure. In a nutshell, positive parenting is connection-based parenting, Mm -hmm. where you work for the benefit of the relationship, you work to build joy in your home, you want to lighten your own load, as well as have children who feel like they're being raised in a joyful home. It doesn't mean conflict free, but it means that when conflict does arise, you have the tools and the resources to navigate that conflict in a way that leaves everybody feeling more empowered at the end of it. And it's for the good of the relationship, short-term and long-term. Excellent. That, that's very nice in how you summed that up. So now I had one other thing I was going to ask you real quick. I forgot it. I'll come back. It'll come back to me later and we can catch it in the next interview. Um, so that is just in a nutshell what Sarah does. And she has uh, coaching certifications and different things that matter. And you can learn more about that at at Dandelion Seeds, but she really has a lot of experience and, oh, I know what I wanted to share. I, this is part of why I like, I'm I'm wanting to about Dandelion Seeds with you and not just the world schooling. So my philosophy that I'm sharing through homeschool think tank, and this comes from my own experience. I didn't take this from anybody else. This is just what I think. I think that as homeschool families, we need to focus on connection first, community second, education third. And that's because I I sometimes think people probably wonder, Jackie, why are you talking so much about parenting? This is a homeschooling website and a homeschooling podcast and show and all the things. But that's why, because it's difficult to homeschool effectively if you don't have a strong connection with your kids. And this is why I am sharing so much parent so many different parenting things and I really like how how your focus is and there are different types of people I've been you know and organizations I've been sharing through homeschool think tank and they all have little bits of differences and what I'm trying to do is help people find the right for them so with Sarah what I what it seems to be on your website is you really focus on joyful parenting. It's not like you're necessarily struggling a lot and you might be, you've got resources for that, but you really just focus on just being a better parent on joy filled parenting and connecting with your kids. And so I wanted my listeners to understand the differences between what you do and some of the other parenting things that we share. So yeah connection comes first. That's my opinion. (laughs) Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. And it's probably important for me to add too, that on my website, I have a section about expert interviews because Mm -hmm. I know that sometimes those really hard and heavy and seemingly insurmountable things come up and we don't know what to do with them. So I certainly talk to those as well, but I also have in the expert section interviews with people like Dr. Ross Green, who's the best-selling author of yes. The Explosive Child. I have Tina Payne Bryson, who best-selling author, you know, along with Dr. Daniel Siegel of The Power of Showing Up, The Yes Brain, Whole Brain Child, and No Drama Discipline. I've, you know, that's just a, a small, mm-hmm. but I've got about maybe 10 or so out there right now with another 10 or so scheduled and pending production. But if it's not my voice that resonates with somebody, there certainly are other free talks out there on my website that people can go and listen to if they're looking for something specific, childhood anxieties out there, a whole bunch of things. So, yeah. All right. I think, I think that does it for the, everything about dandelion seeds for today. I do want to go more in depth with you on, with some of the knowledge that you've gained from all of your interviewing and your research and all the things that you do at another time. But now let's dive into the world schooling because this is, it's not something I've talked about on homeschool think tank. It's been on my agenda and 
I think it's an amazing thing. And so why don't you first explain to us a little bit about what world schooling is? Sure. World schooling in a nutshell is basically just homeschooling on the road. You know, we all know that we have actively chosen not to be part of a brick and mortar community. We might have it through co-ops or through certain activities that we choose. But generally speaking, we are homeschooling where it works for us. And usually that place is home, wherever home is for you. But one of the things we learned very early on is home doesn't always have to be in the same place. You take the child with you wherever you are, you can take the concepts with you. You know, math is math, whether it's in Colorado, USA or the South of France, it's still math. So you can explore the world, you can live the lessons that you are trying to impart upon your children. And what better way to integrate these lessons than by saying, well, let's see, today we are studying, I don't know, Greek mythology. Why don't we go to Greece and look at, you know, the ruins and read Uh stories and study the stuff while we are immersed in it. And for what it's worth, I haven't been to Greece yet, but it is on our list. You know, you can do whatever you want. You can drive an hour down the road and go check out you know, some other historical site. And that way, when you go home and you read the book about it, or you do the assignment around it, it is a life memory for the child that really helps them internalize in a beautiful way, whatever it is they're experiencing through the life that they are actively living with you above and beyond what they are reading about on a page. Yes. So can I share something with you? So we I can't say we would have been world schoolers. We would have been U.S. schoolers. We almost did this. And it is honestly, I'll probably take this regret with me to my grave, not doing it. But now our circumstances are so different. We have horses and so many animals. It's just not realistic. We actually, how old were my kids? Let's say seven and nine, something like that. We bought a 40 foot fifth wheel. It had two bedrooms, two bathrooms, washer, dryer, five slides. It was huge uh, as far as a fifth wheel goes. And now we bought it used, thankfully, since we didn't end up using it. Um, And we were going to move. Like we were going to travel. My husband had the opportunity to take a promotion where he literally would have been in different places throughout the U.S. So instead of him leaving the family, we were going to travel with him. And, uh, we, we got our house ready for sale. I literally, it was down to the day we were going to put it on the market. And I said, I can't do it. Can't do it because I was the realities of dealing with, I don't know how many dogs we had at the time, one or two. And I think just one actually, and a cat and just, and then my kids were little enough. Maybe they weren't as old as I said. I can't, I really can't remember exactly, but they were little enough. I would have had to still really keep an eye on them. And I just, there was something for me that I wanted to stay with that safe backyard. But you and I know this sounds so silly to me now. What part of it was, is we had done so much work to that house and I had it just the way we wanted. And we didn't have the horses yet. We, we were just a dog and a cat family. And, uh, I just didn't want to leave all the hard work we'd done. And, and now if I would have known my kids were going to dive deep with horses and we were going to move anyway to get horses, I would have done it. I, I really, really wish we would have done it because now I can look at that and say, that was the perfect time to do it in our lives. And we wouldn't have been traveling like every few days or every couple of weeks. It would have been like we would have put roots down for two or three months and then moved. So I'm curious, what made you want to do this? And what obstacles did you have to overcome? Because certainly there there are obstacles to go from a, a lifestyle where you have your own home to moving on. So what did what what was the catalyst there? Sure. Well, you know, it it started happening long before we even realized it was happening. For example, my husband and I were both really big travelers before we even met. 
So by the time we met, we sort of already had the travel thing in our wheelhouse. We had, you know, fully marked up passports and all that. And we knew that that was something that brought us both joy. Then we settled down and, you know, got married, had the child, you know, things seemed to be going sort of a traditional route. But at one point we were traveling for vacation with our daughter, I think, gosh, I have to think which trip this was, it might've been Mexico when she was, my, my daughter was maybe three years old or so. And my husband had been feeling kind of stuck in his job. I had, when my daughter was about a year old, I had already left my corporate job that I had been with for 20 years. So I'd already taken some pretty big leaps and gotten past some fear of, oh, what's next? I know what's familiar, but can I really trust that things are gonna keep turning out? So I had to move from a place of fear to trust around, well, so far all of these other big changes have turned out okay. But we were, on, anyway, going back to what I was saying, we were on a flight. We were on our flight back from Mexico to the US and we started making a list. You know, it was a three or four hour flight. So we had plenty of time in the plane just to sit down. What do we want our life to look like? You know, we were thinking it was a someday thing. But we started making this list of, oh, well, we want, you know, natural beauty. Oh, we want to be able to have access to a city, but not necessarily be in a big city. And we just started thinking through all the things that we thought would bring us the most joy. And we were really specific about it. So we ended up with this, you know, 100 point list by the time the flight was over. We got back to the US and my husband being the analytical fellow that he is, put it into Excel. And he made this Excel spreadsheet, which of course I sort of rolled my eyes at because that's not how I'm wired at all. But he started thinking about what places in the world actually fit this description. And we wanted it of course to be homeschooling friendly. And as you know, not everywhere is homeschooling friendly. For example, there are some that might look homeschooling friendly on paper, but then you find out, you know, there's some Eastern European countries, for example, where homeschooling is totally above board. It's, it's perfectly fine to do. However, you have to be tested in the local language every year to continue doing it. And I thought, oh my goodness, I can't guarantee you that my child is gonna learn the language in year one or year two or whatever. So we need to take these places off the list. So long story short, we realized there were probably only 10 to 20 places around the world that really fit our list. Now, this was still in dream state at this point. This was in someday land, yeah. but we were living in Seattle, Washington at the time. And for various reasons, my husband ended up leaving his job kind of unexpectedly, but Seattle is a really high cost city. And we thought, you know, he could, look for some other work here right away. But I loved Seattle, my daughter loved Seattle, but he had seen nothing but the inside of an office for the years that we had been there so far. So he hadn't really grown attached to Seattle. Mm -hmm. So, you know, would you be open to doing something else? I said, yeah, how about world schooling? And at first we kind of joked about it, but then we realized, hang on, hold the phone. Our daughter is still young. We're not really committed to anything here. We don't have the job that we have to stay with because it's providing that security. We've banked a ton of airline miles in our previous travel before even meeting each other. What do you mm -hmm. say we cash in some of those miles? And frankly, for what we're paying here for rent, it doesn't have to be here that we're paying rent. We had a house that we owned in another state, but we had people living in it that we, we were renting to them. So mm -hmm. it's not like we could just go back and move in there because there were people living there. So we thought if we're going to spend this kind of money to live somewhere, if we don't have to be here, why not cash in those miles? Why not give this a try for a while? And I would say within a month, we were on a plane to Portugal which we awesome. at on our radar. And next thing you know, we're landing in Portugal going, I guess we're world schooling now. And that that's was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> now, how old was your daughter? Oh, goodness. At the time, she was probably five, I think. How old is she now? Oh, she is almost eight now. So mm -hmm. you've been doing this for about three years. 
We have, although to be fair, we had done a lot of travel with her before we started world schooling as well. She's probably already seen a third of the United States or so, and she'd already been to Mexico. She'd already been to Canada. You know, she, she's seen a lot in her short time, but then okay. full-time world schooling for two, two and a half years. All right. Now, oh gosh, let me think. I have a lot of questions. Um, okay. My first one is, so when we were thinking about traveling while schooling, we were going to do it in a fifth wheel. How do you do it? And what are the ups and downs to whatever you're doing? Sure. Yeah. Great question. Um, the way we did it through Europe, for example, was largely through Airbnb. Um, we anticipated doing slow travel, like you discussed, where you go for a couple of months and you kind of sort of put down temporary routes, but you're there for long enough that you get to know the area, you get to know some of the people, whatever. We didn't plan it this way, but we got so curious about what else was in the area that we ended up for a while switching just about every week. I don't necessarily recommend that because it's exhausting, but we would go until we found a place where we thought, oh, I could really see staying here for a while. And then we would try it on for a longer period of time. And then we'd get a little bit more mobile again, just doing Airbnbs. And then again, we would find perhaps a city. For example, we love Toulouse, France. And we thought, hmm, this is a place that we could see coming back to full-time at some point. So let's stay on different sides of the city to see which community has the right vibe for us. So we still kind of had a home base as a city, but we navigated a little bit around what sort of area feels right, more urban, more rural, somewhere in between. That's... But we really kind of went where the wind blow, blew us. That is awesome. So... Okay. So you did it in Airbnbs. What are you initially, are you still doing that today? Or are you, or are you like renting somewhere for a longer period of time? How are you doing it today? Well, due to COVID, we are still at this point, we are in Colorado right now and we have, we still have the house in the other state that we have with renters right now, but we are living in Colorado in a rental house so that if we decide to stay in this area, we certainly can. But if after the lease is over, we want to try something else again, we have that flexibility too. So you've chosen not to continue to travel through COVID. Right. That's, that's what I'm hearing. Because I, part of me thinks, well, you really still could. You can still go somewhere else and rent a house elsewhere or do an Airbnb. It's not like I, I don't really know what all the travel restrictions are right now, but I know you can go from Colorado to another state. I'm in and out of Colorado every single week. So not near where you are, but I live close to a state line. So I'm, I'm in two states every week, but um, yeah, so that's, you, that's just a personal choice. It's not that you really can't do it. Right. It's personal choice. It feels best to us. To be still for a while right now. Let's like yeah. do its thing. Hopefully we'll all move past it sooner rather than later, God willing. And then we can go back to a more normal life, whatever that may look like. Yes. You know, I think for me, if, if I were in your shoes, I don't think it would be COVID itself stopping me from going somewhere else. I mean, I might not want to go somewhere new every other week. It's more the unsettled state of society right now. And, you know, like the riots over the summer and, just, yeah, that unsettled state is what would let me just want to just be here where I know my surroundings. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, have you ever considered traveling via fifth wheel? And if so, why did you choose not that way? You know, it's. Well, you it's can't fly. Yeah, it's on my radar to some degree. Um, we really like international travel. That said, I have a friend who was also a world schooler and they had a fifth wheel in Europe and they used it over there, even though they're American. So okay. you know, there are options like that. Um, I think part of the appeal to the way that we've been doing things is that if we do decide, for example, when we were in Portugal, we decided that we wanted our next stop to be France. 
but we wanted to get there fairly quickly. And then we actually ended up in Spain anyway. So when you think about the map, you know, we could have mm-hmm. done the driving route, but we don't necessarily want to have heavy baggage, so to speak, mm-hmm. to be able to throw something on our shoulder and get to where we want to go without it having to be the slower version of travel. So, okay. So now I have a new question here because this is so interesting. And I really think if somebody has ever considered doing, okay, there's a few people here, people who have literally never even thought of this. It's never even occurred to them to do this. So just opening your mind to what is possible for a homeschooling family and uh, excuse me, but yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) One moment. You're human too, huh? Yeah. Yep. I'm human too. So (laughs) that's funny. I, you know, I I read that you have a state, a level five improv comedy. You're because you're funny too, but you're not being super funny here, but that was funny. Yes. I'm human. (laughs) I'm I'm usually funny when it's an accident, but Uh, so, um, okay. What was I going to ask you? What was I asking you, Sarah? <laughs> we were talking about the fifth wheel. Oh, you were talking about oh, oh. never thought about it. How being, okay. So you guys travel really light. What does light look like for you? Because yes, we've had a fifth wheel forever. Like most of our marriage, we've had a fifth wheel and it is heavier travel. No doubt about it. It, but it is nice to not have to unpack your suitcase, but really packing up a fifth wheel is a lot of work. So how light are you able to travel? I'm guessing you're pretty minimalist. Yeah, we really are. Um, we had basically no more than we could carry ourselves. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Granted, I'm, I'm stronger than I look. You know, I can carry a lot of stuff, but it, it was never more than we could carry ourselves. What I want to carry it, like, I'm not talking backpacking, not that level of but like a suitcase through the airport, like a suitcase through the airport, you know, the carry on that you can sit on top of the suitcase backpack over my shoulders, you know, and a free hand to hold on to the child, mm-hmm. child has her little carry on. Yes. Equivalent. So pretty much you can fly anywhere and you've got everything you need. So do you, I'm now I'm curious about this, that I'm like getting deep here (laughs) on the technical aspects. So do you like, if it's, do you just get rid of your wardrobe to fit whatever it, or just a lot of layers, you know, because let's say you go somewhere where it's really cold. Well, you don't need the shorts and you're definitely going to need a coat, but if you're somewhere where it's warm, you don't really want to mess with the coat all the time. So how, what are the, what are the the logistics of that look like? Sure. Um, We definitely go for the most versatile objects in our wardrobe. Um, You know, I'm big on, in fact, I'm even kind of in it today. I've got a, I've got a, a tank top under a sweater. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it were 80 degrees Fahrenheit, I would lose the sweater and be happy in a tank top. But, you know, yeah. today I'm dressed for 45 degrees outside because I'm wearing the sweater. So, you, you know, definitely layering goes a long way. Um, the coat, certainly you can wear through the airport, even if it's the middle of summertime and it's warm outside. And then when you get on to the plane, you take off the coat and you use it as a pillow when you need to take your nap and yeah. just kind of live with lugging it around. But then when you need it, you need it. So it was a you lot know. about the most versatile items in the wardrobe. We did get into a laundry cycle of about every three days because of course in Europe, dryers aren't as common as they are here in the States. So we also had to build in air drying time so that okay. we could put on wet clothes while things were drying. So, you know, a couple of pairs of pants. I'm definitely, even in the best, most normal of circumstances, I wear jeans way more than one time before I feel like they have to be washed unless something specifically dirty happens to them, whatever it may be. But, you know, you know, we, we brought, I realize this is Facebook Live. We brought a ton of underwear, you know, a ton of the things that you care. necessarily, yeah, we're real, right? Um, yeah. Well, you know what? We looked into this type of stuff enough and we actually, 
we started backpacking for a while and then it was like, we had kayaked for years, you know, with touring boats. And we thought, well, all the small stuff would transfer to backpacking. So, you know, like ex officio has things that, is that how you say it? I don't even know, but that you can air dry quickly. <laughs> so, you know, I'm aware of these things, but here's what would always get me as far as the wardrobe part goes is as a woman, you know, you have your 90% of the time. I, I, for me, I dress casual 90% of the time. And I tend to believe in wearing something I can also be active in because if I'm not wearing something I can be active in, then I'm not active and that's not good for my health. Right. But it's those few times you need, need quotes, dressier clothing, you know, for whatever reason. And so I think that's part of what would get me but I actually, as I talk about it, I'm like, oh, I have a solution. I love thrift stores. If you really got to dress up, go get your thing from the thrift store, wear it and be done with it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I'm, especially if you're traveling and you know, you can't keep it, you know, you wash it and wear it and be done. <laughs> so. exactly. Yeah. I confess I actually, and now I'm embarrassed to even admit this out loud, but I remember before getting on, you know, before packing or the first long European stint, I remember thinking, I can't really pack my, I don't do my fingernails very often, but I usually have toenail polish on. How am I gonna, like, I don't wanna pack toenail polish remover because that's smelly and heaven forbid that break open in the suitcase, that would ruin all my clothes. So what am I gonna do about toenail polish? And I was actually kind of stuck on it. And finally I thought, Sarah, get it together. Don't paint your toenails, get over it. Like they're toenails. <laughs> So letting go of things like that, of these silly ideas, and to your point, oh, I might need the fancy shoes. No, you don't. I might need the extra jewelry. Leave it at home. (laughs) Just pretend you're in your everyday wear and chill like a lot. So when we were thinking about traveling and I still just, I kick myself for not taking that moment in our lives where we could have done it. But honestly, we had two cats. That was honestly my biggest reason for not doing it as my daughter. After we moved and neighbor's dog got our cat and it was was heartbreaking, but I, I really like, she adored that cat. And, um, I really couldn't understand how I was going to keep her cat safe. <laughs> that re- like, it was a huge, the dog I could deal with. It was in the other cats, sort of a weird cat. <laughs> Honestly, we still have her today, but she's skittish. She doesn't get real attached. She stays outside. She doesn't you know, want to be in, but that the other one was like totally an inside cat with a little outside. And just like she was like a dog my my, okay I'm gonna digress for a minute because this is sort of funny my daughter literally trained this cat she would sit on the couch like a human on her butt and her tail would twitch and she would tell her to stay and that cat would stay for five minutes until she released her she would set up tinker toy jumps in the living room and she trained her to jump the tinker toys I mean like she was not she was an amazing cat. I miss her, but I, I couldn't, I was so afraid that cat would get out and it would be heartbreaking for my daughter. And it turns out she had the heartbreak anyway, but it, you know, I, I, I really couldn't understand how I was going to keep her kitty cat safe. <laughs> that, was, that was the biggest, literally the biggest reason we didn't do it, it was for the cat. Well, I hear you. I'm a pet lover as well. And the timing worked out well for us in that I had a cat who was almost, she was just shy of her 20th birthday before it was her time to go. And And so you were pet free for that short time. You were pet free. Yeah. I would have had, I don't know that I could have left if my cat, I mean, particularly that cat, yeah. like the cat you're talking about, she was like, stranger, hi, welcome to our home. Can I sit on your lap? Like I'm the friendliest cat ever. So she was yeah. cat as well. But, um, but yeah, I don't know that I could have left so easily or at all if there weren't mm-hmm. a way to bring her. Isn't so- that funny? Because some people, if, if you don't, if you're not an animal lover, you might just be like, 
what? But I, you know, you really, and it's for your animal, but also for, I mean, we all loved that cat, but for the child who really had such a strong bond, you know, I, I, that it was a big, a big part of that decision. I, I had forgotten that part and just the safe backyard, you know, your surroundings, you know, all those things. So, oh, okay. Now I totally digress and took us elsewhere, but these are real world considerations. If you're going, if you want to do this and you find yourself in a moment with no pets and you've always had pets, that might be a good time to try it on. And you don't have to travel forever. You could try it for three months. You could try it, you know, like if at some point we sell our house now I'm like, okay, our horses could be at our in-laws for a while. They have property and we could even take three to six months and travel, you know, and then buy a house if we wanted to. Because I still have this desire to do this with my kids. And I'm like, okay, it doesn't have to be forever. It could even be for a while it, when you find that you're thinking about moving or you don't have pets. There are moments in your life where you can seize it, <laughs> seize the moment, you know? Sure, yeah, try it on by all means. This is not a lifetime commitment. You are not marrying world schooling when you do this, you know? I, two quick thoughts. One is about, about the cat. One thing that we didn't expect is when we traveled, one of the Airbnbs where we stayed came with the cat and we fell in love with this cat. This cat fell in love with us. And to this day, a year later, we still get text messages from the owner of the Airbnb with updates on the cat because he knows how much my daughter loved this cat. So definitely connect with other animals if you find a way. And then, you know, back to the other point, yeah, try it on. If world schooling doesn't feel comfortable, go somewhere for a week, see how that sits with you. Do you like it? Do you not? You know, Yeah. you have to make a lifetime commitment to it. So my other things that I'm thinking about as I'm visiting with you is I think you must have learned so much about yourself. And I would, I would think that your family is likely tighter knit as a result of this. Can you speak to that? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, two parts there. Learning about myself, definitely. Yeah, it was definitely a space to, to grow into what kind of life do I want to have? Am I actually living it? And who's the person inside here? Because it's not just this life that we create around ourselves. It's the life that we create within ourselves. So yes. we definitely need to and have the opportunity when we are traveling when we're out of our comfort zone to figure out what is our comfort zone exactly and why is it what it is so it's really a a great opportunity to be introspective while you are out and about in the world and then as far as bringing the family closer together and being um, more tightly knit as I mentioned before we moved from Seattle my husband was in his office all the time he had an incredibly stressful job where he there were there were literally weeks where either he was out of the country for work himself or he might as well have been because there were times where I would wake up in the morning he'd already be gone for work by the time I'd go to bed he still wasn't home and it would go on for weeks so there wasn't a lot of joy there as Mm -hmm. a unit and frankly the biggest drawback of that was the relationship that he had with our daughter she loved him but she didn't necessarily feel super comfortable with him taking care of her when he was home because like I haven't seen you for a week or two and you want to brush my teeth like that feels kind of intimate like can we just play a game it wasn't a natural connection for them so having that time to spend together as a family was not only incredibly healing for the two of them, but it was also healing for us as a holistic unit because we got to figure out what is our family dynamic besides daddy's off again, you know, and mm-hmm. how do we really reconnect? How do we, how do we get along? How do we find ways to enjoy being in each other's presence 24 hours a day? Yes. Because that is something unto itself. Oh my gosh, Sarah, I really, I I could 
keep you on here another hour, I'm telling you, because I have all these different things that now I'm finding myself wanting to ask about your husband and how he felt about homeschooling and all and how this it has impacted him. Like I'd almost like to interview him. So if he's interested, let me know. <laughs> because really there's another another side of this story, right? You know, and how how that helped him just as a man, as a father, as a husband, the impact that it's had, you know, and I, I can relate on some different levels, but I don't want to go down those rabbit holes, but I, I really have like more questions there. And then something you said a few minutes ago made me think of this. So while we did not actually end up traveling, that experience changed me forever really the because we were really serious about it. It was not like we were thinking we were going to do it. And then I just couldn't cross the line. We went, we were up to the line, you know? And so here's what I found what just by going through the experience, one is I put two, I, I was never super materialistic and especially like with my, I don't let's say clothing or something like that. But but I was with my house in a way, like I really cared how my house looked about all the decorating. And I like my identity was wrapped up with that house, that house, that specific, not a house, that house, because the decorating represented my taste. The yard represented all of that effort we had put into landscaping it and it, you know, everything and what I found, I was thinking about by going through this experience is, it, 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 this sounds so shallow now, I'm almost embarrassed to admit it, but that people aren't going to want to hang out with me because of my house. They have to want to hang out with me because of who I am and who am I? What makes me a compelling person to want to be around, right? And it literally changed my life because I recognized I needed to separate who I am from my house. Right. And then the other part of that, I'm trying to think, oh, is I really started leaning toward minimalism because we got rid of so much stuff. We really got rid of so much. And I also, <laughs> with the clothing, I tried it out for like six months. I made like an, I literally taped off 18 inches of a closet rod and said, okay, this is all the closet space I get. Can I do this? It was like a practice run. And I found out I could do it with a season's worth of clothing. I couldn't do it with, I wasn't there on the whole year's worth of clothing. So those, those are just things I, I thought about. And I'm guessing you have found that to be true as well. It's who you are. Yeah, exactly. Because the stuff really is just stuff at the end of the day. And, you know, what we've started doing is we have a box, we call it the box of love. And we put the most precious things to us in that box, but it's not big, but it's mostly, you know, it's things like the first time my daughter ever wrote, I love you, mommy, mm -hmm. on a piece of paper and handed it to me. Of course, that's in the box. You know, it's things that if there were the proverbial fire, I could grab the box and be like, okay, this is the stuff that matters most. And yeah, do I love that painting that's up on the wall? I really do. But do I actually love it? You know, some, yeah. But someday if that painting went away, I'd survive. It's not about my joy in that painting. The joy is, the joy is in here. The joy is in the world. The joy is in the, the air and the spirit and the connections yeah. we make is never about the stuff. No, it's not. It's about, it's about the, the people, the people in your life. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope that this opens people's eyes to the possibility that homeschooling provides. You have these options in some form or another, even if it's for a season to try it on. Thank you so much, Jackie. And yeah, if anybody has questions or ideas or just wants to brainstorm, I'm a real person. They're welcome to reach out and talk to me if they want to. That's a, that's a lovely offer. That's very generous, really, because I would expect at some point, whether it's soon 
or a year or two down the road, because this interview will live on that somebody will reach out to you and it can make a difference in somebody's life. So I hope you enjoyed this interview with Sarah R. Moore, the founder of Dandelion Seeds. So here's what Sarah and I are planning to do. We're actually going to do another episode where I visit with her more about what she does with dandelion seeds and positive parenting. And I know we touched on that at the beginning, but she has so much more to offer. Now I want to remind you to check the link in the show notes and you can get the free course from Sarah that she's offering. By the way, that link is homeschoolthinktank.com slash dandelion seeds positive parenting with dashes between each word. And you can always find more from our podcast guests at homeschoolthinktank.com slash interviews. And I also want to share with you, this is so funny. We finished the interview and I thought, I didn't ask her about the actual homeschooling part of world schooling. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more when I share the interview that we do that's more about dandelion seeds, but it'll have a little bit more about world schooling in it. So I really hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you benefited from it. And I want to share this with you. In the past, I did an episode about minimalism. So I'm going to link to that in the bottom of the article that corresponds with this podcast episode. And you can find that link in the show notes. If you want to listen to that and learn more, you can. That's it for this week. Remember to get that course from Sarah. It's totally free and we'll see you next week. Live and learn your way. My name is Jackie and I am your host of the Homeschool Think Tank Parenting Podcast. Bye-bye. I want to say thank you for listening to the Homeschool Think Tank Parenting Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd like to ask you to take a moment to follow this podcast and share it with a friend. Remember to check the show notes for a link to the article that corresponds with this podcast episode. In this article, we'll include any links that we mentioned in this episode. And remember that you can search all of the Homeschool Think Tank parenting podcast episodes at homeschoolthinktank.com.